We are reporting here live from the studio. Michael, can we get an update on the weather? As you can see, there is a massive surge of heavy rain and tropical storm. We just got report that it is now listed as a category. The streets are empty. Their government has called for a mass evacuation. Hey, this is Peter reporting live from Oklahoma. There has been a tornado that has ripped through the city and nearly wiped half of the whole town. As you can see behind me, hey, this is Jason reporting live in California. The wildfire have been spreading. It has not ceased since it had started. The fire broke out 5 a.m. in the morning of what have appeared to be a result of dry temperatures and have been blazing since. As you can see here behind me, Kathy, the weather seems to be very severe. Traffic is just going uh, bizarre and crazy. This is not anything that we have seen before. We thank you so much, Jeff, for this live report. Uh, Jeff, can you tell us what are the locals feeling in regards to this weather? Are they evacuating? What are some of the precautions that are taking there? Jeff, Jeff, are you still there? Jeff, I think we lost him. Welcome to another new episode of my podcast titled, The Truth For You. My name is Bintu St. Jean, and today we have a severe topic. Today's titled is Earth, Wind, and Fire. There are many emergencies in life that we have to look out and prepare for, and the weather is one of them. The weather is one of the few emergencies that we can be warmed and prepared for. Some comes with warning and it gives time for provision and evacuation, and others strike without warning and leaves a mass destruction behind its way. You don't need to be a weatherman to know bad weather. There's a lot of places as a person you don't want to be in, and bad weather is one of them. Weather is one of those things you can anticipate and still get shocked when it hits. I live in Florida. I am a Floridian, home of the hurricanes. Not the you, calm down, don't get excited. It's not all about the you. Florida is a peninsula, meaning that we are surrounded by water on three sides. We are almost an island. We were not connected uh, to the, were we not connected to the mainland? Our weather is only as severe as our hurricanes. Now, as I said, I'm a Floridian. I lived in Florida my whole life and the only thing more severe than our weather is traffic. Getting stuck in traffic? is the worst thing that can happen to you. But honestly, I must say that since living in Florida, I have only experienced three traumatic hurricanes. Hurricane Andrew in 1996. I was one years old. I don't remember anything, but my dad does. 2005 Hurricane Wilma and 2006 Hurricane Katrina. And out of all those experiences, we experienced power outages. I remember during Hurricane Wilma that we were eating Chef Boyardee's out of our cans. Couldn't use the stove. 
couldn't use the fridge. And so we basically had to eat uh, food out of the cans. I remember playing in the streets. Everything was dark. The whole neighborhood was dark. I couldn't even see two or three blocks looking down the street. But I do remember the stars shining unusually a lot brighter. But to be honest, that was as worse as it can get. And of course, flooding is one of those things. Uh, quite recently speaking, we experienced a massive flood a few months ago where homes were washed, cars were damaged and floating, but nonetheless, we bounced back and it sunshined as usual. Now, other states, when it comes to weather, are not so fortunate as us. Outside of Florida is a whole new ball game when it comes to climate and temperatures. Whoever knew that seven to eight hours can make a difference in weather conditions. And that's about the length of time it takes to get out of Florida. We don't even get snow here. The last time we anticipate a weather that we feared would wipe Florida out of the map was Hurricane Matthew. And I remember this as if it was yesterday. I've never seen such a panic before. The weatherman said that it would be so bad that your kids will die. You would have thought he was a prophet prophesying over the land of Florida on behalf of the judgment of God upon the land. Basically a repent or evacuate message this man was giving. And of course, panic hit. There was a mass evacuation. I remember the streets being empty and we anticipated something far more worse than Hurricane Andrews. And I could remember praying for God's mercy upon us, calling upon friends, having prayers. And of course, as the storm approached, it weakens. It went from a category four to a three, to a two, and then to a tropical storm. Next thing you know, the storm hit and it was nothing compared to what we thought or even anticipated. Thankfully, but unfortunately, not everyone gets the benefit of the doubt when it comes to weather reports. While in Florida, the weather is not as severe as we anticipate, that's not the case with other states. Matter of fact, the weather is either just as or worse as anticipated. Let's consider Hurricane Trina, for example. Now, Hurricane Katrina, when it hit, it hit us, but it did not hit us as bad as it did New Orleans in August of 2005. Hurricane Katrina nearly destroyed New Orleans, costing more than 18,000 lives. It is actually ranked as the costliest natural disaster in US history, costing over $180 billion worth of damaging. The interesting thing is that Katrina approached Florida as a tropical storm 
and landed as category one traveling at 70 miles per hour of winds. But over the next two days, it strengthened. And as it strengthened, it pretty much wreaked havoc when it approached New Orleans. So again, we were fortunate, but New Orleans, not so unfortunately. And even as I look at other states such as California, New York, Buffalo, Texas, Washington, the weather is unbelievable. It's like watching a live movie, seeing footages of homes floating on the streets, trees toppled on top of homes, buildings collapsing, people evacuating and escaping for their lives. The older I get, the more I realize that good weather is a luxury. And don't get me started about the weather around the world. Let's not forget about the tsunami that hit Japan in 2011 that nearly swallowed the cities and left an unbearable amount of lives lost, almost of about 16,000. And also the earthquake in Haiti about 11, about 11 years ago, costing millions, thousands of lives. And also, the hurricane hitting the Bahamas a couple years ago. It seems that everywhere, everyone has gotten a piece of Mother Nature's mind. But why? What has led up to this end? What could possibly anger the weather? Does nature have emotions? What is the cause of these things? Is it something that we're doing? Or is it something that we are not doing? The truth is that climate change and the climate in general has been an issue for over thousands and thousands of years. It's nothing new. Our world is constantly changing and nature seems to be running on a course of its own. As nature change, our environment adapts. But I might also add that while nature is free to work out its own destiny, it's not free from the influence of human activity. Yes, the hand that affects nature is not just invisible. We too can impact our climate. Of course, now human activity has greatly changed over the years in regards to its effect against nature. For example, according to the rainforestalliance.org, humans are now emitting far more greenhouses than in times past. According to the EPA, the United States Environmental Protection Agency, human activities are responsible for almost all of the increase in greenhouse gases in the atmosphere for over the last 150 years. The largest source of greenhouse gas emissions from human activities in the United States is from burning fossil fuels for electricity, heat, and transportation. 
Scientific research has also shown that an increase in carbon emissions leads to a warmer climate, or should I say, you guessed it right, global warming. In other words, Mother Nature hates technology and electricity. The EPA uses tracks total U.S. emissions by publishing the inventory of the U.S. greenhouse gas emissions in sync. Now, this is an annual report that estimates the total national greenhouse gas emissions and removals associated with human activities across the states. Check out these stats. Here are the primary sources of greenhouse emissions. Guilt check. Are we feeling guilty yet? Good. All right. Transportation comes out on top as the largest share of greenhouse emissions. It is accounted for 28.2% of greenhouse gas emissions in 2018. Over 90% of fossil fuels used for transportation is petroleum based, which includes primarily gasoline and diesel. I mean, cry me an Uber. This is outrageous. Second is electricity production, which accounts for 26.9% of greenhouse emissions in 2018. Approximately 60% of electricity is generated through burning fossil fuels. Now you see why Electro is a super villain in Spider-Man? Third is industry, which accounts, third is industry, which accounts for 22% of greenhouse gas emissions. Fourth is commercial and residential, which accounts at 12.3%, which is primarily used by businesses and homes for heat and waste management. Fifth is agriculture at 9.9%, and sixth is land use and forestry. In conclusion, it's all your fault. So seeing that we do play a role in the effect of our climate, to a degree, we can do something about it. Let's not be jerks about this. I know there are scoffers out there when it comes to global warming and climate change, but we can do something about this. And here are some practical steps that we can take to ensure less disruptions by limiting our fossil fuels activities. Now, here are my suggestions, and then I'll give you some tips that have worked. Uh, first things first. Guys, I think we should consider living in caves again. I mean, at this point, we need to include caves in Airbnbs right now. Ubering with horses and Lyft with camels. We gotta think Flintstones and not the Jetsons. The Jetsons are destroying our planet. But now here are some more professional and more practical advices. These next suggestions are from the University Corporation of Atmospheric Research. According to them, there are two main ways to stop the amount of greenhouse gas air from increasing. Number one, we can stop adding them to the air 
And number two, we can increase the Earth's ability to pull them out of the air. So we have to assist Mother Nature, which means Mother Nature is a single mother? Huh, interesting. This is called climate mitigation. And there are other ways and solutions to mitigate the climate. And this can be implemented by any and everybody, by individuals, communities, nations, all hands on deck pretty much. So the first step is we gotta use less energy. The steps are simple and cost effective like light bulbs. You can replace light bulbs which are incandescent, which are extremely bright and radiant with more or less radiant and less bright alternative of using LED light bulbs for electricity. Now you can get these light bulbs from Amazon, your local hardware store. I mean, you don't have to go to the NASA center for this. The next step is use insulation in your home. Setting your thermostat lower in the winter and higher in the summer. Now for Floridians, it's summer all year. So just lower it when it gets cold and make it higher most of the year in which it's warm. There are also new technologies that are more environment friendly, such as glass that reflects heat, lower flow water fixtures, and new air conditioning technology with refrigerants that does not cause warming. Also too, what can help is generate electricity without emissions, which includes solar energy, geothermal, wind turbines, ocean wave and tidal energy, waste and biomass energy, and hydro power, all of which does not use emissions to generate electricity, right? Power to the environment. Nuclear energy also does not create greenhouse emissions as well. Now here's an interesting find that I have here listed. Did you know that today, about a fifth of greenhouse carbon emissions comes from raising farm animals for meat? And that's all Mary had a lamb. For example, as cattle digest food, they burp, releasing methane, which is a powerful greenhouse gas, and their manure, or poop, doo-doo, Number two, however you want to put that, releases the carbon dioxide and nitrous oxide. So guess what's the solution? That's right. Eating a completely plant-based diet lowers emissions. Guys, this is awesome news because we are definitely capable of doing this. According to the Drawdown Project, if half the population worldwide adopt a plant-rich diet, by 2050, 65 gigatons of carbon dioxide would be kept out of the atmosphere for about over 30 years. And just to give you a sense of scale, 65 gigatons of carbon dioxide is nearly two years of recent emissions from fossil fuels and industry. 
reducing food waste can make an even larger impact, saving about 90 gigatons of carbon dioxide for the atmosphere for over 30 years. Guys, we can save the planet by eating it. You know, vegetables, rice, beans, breads. Who's with me? All right, I'll leave that with you. And another way we can reduce emissions is by travel without green gas. As we know, travel accounts for about 14% of greenhouse emissions worldwide. And so we can reduce emissions by using alternative technologies that does not require gasoline, such as bicycles and electric cars, or does not use as much such as hybrid. Using public transportation, carpooling, which is a big one. Four doors can fit six people. Six if you're really about that life. A couple, a coupe can fit four to five depending on the size of the passengers in the back. Also, reducing emissions from industry products that are manufactured in factories such as phones and TVs, these also adds up to about 20% of greenhouse produced worldwide. Guys, we have to think more cost effective here. Bioplastics made from plants are good alternatives to cement which releases carbon dioxide as it hardens. This helps as well. Last but sure not least, we can reduce carbon emissions by taking CO2 out of the air. This is called carbon sinks, which are places where carbon dioxide are taken out of the air, such as planting trees, bamboo, and other plants increases the number of carbon sinks. I call them Ghostbusters. <laughs> Get it? Because they're taking away air, which is practically invisible like a ghost. Also, conserving forests, grasslands, peatlands, and wetlands where carbon is held in plants and soils protects existing carbon sinks. Farming such as plant cover crops and crop rotation keeps soil healthy so that they are effective carbon sinks. And there are definitely more ways of saving the planet out there. These are just the most common and effective ways of going about that. So don't be afraid to go above and beyond and do your own research. And also as well, I will cite these sources for you to look over these as well. Now, I must add, that doing such things, taking such precautions, will not necessarily save our planet, but will help it. Why do I say that? The honest truth is that we can help climate change, but we cannot change it. Mother Nature has made up its mind. This by no means will stop Hurricanes, wildfires, earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, sandstorms, or brutally cold or severely hot weather. It may reduce, but it will not retract. Mother Nature is on a path of destruction by which it is impossible for us humans to reverse. 
In other words, the weather will not get better because human activity only plays a part. While science may tell you that climate change is caused by human activity, I might also add that climate change is also affected by divine activity. God creates climate. God created the weather. The Bible says that it's the Lord that opens up the heavens and the firmament. It causes the rain to pour, the sun to shine. He sets the boundaries that keeps the ocean waves from crashing our homes. And while God looks over the weather, we have an enemy that interferes with it as well. And we are told by the word of God that as moral evil increases in our land, so will the weather and our environment. Did you know that climate change is in the Bible? That in the last days, the word of God prophesied or predicted that there will be pestilences, earthquakes, famines, and natural disasters in diverse places as signs of the times. Now, some might say, we've always had natural disasters, earthquakes, tornadoes. My great-great-grandparents have gone through those things. What's new here? It's been around for millions of years. True, but not as rapid and destructive as now. Not too long ago, we heard reports of two hurricanes at the same time brewing over the Gulf of Mexico. This has never been heard of. Record-breaking wildfires in Australia, earthquakes, tornadoes, back-to-back, all while going through a worldwide pandemic? Have such things ever occurred in history? Do you recall that there was a picture once of Hurricane Matthew? And I remember seeing this on the news that really terrified me. There was a picture of the Hurricane Matthew. And as the hurricane was being tracked, the face of the hurricane was the face of a skull that trended on the news and social media. It's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. The weather is a controversy and a great controversy between good and evil. And as this war between good and evil intensifies, so will the climate. So our primary concern shouldn't be merely the thermal climate of our world, but the moral climate of our world that will determine whether or not this planet can be saved. God is not concerned about saving the climate as much as he is concerned about saving the planet because God will use earth, wind, and fire to save the planet he created and died for. In other words, God would destroy this world if destroying it means it will save the people. And nothing will stop him 
from doing just that. Not even global warming. Thanks for listening, and God bless.